Welcome to the Nourishing Soulfully podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I'm a certified intuitive eating pro skills facilitator and an eating psychology coach. I'm a qualified trauma-informed practitioner and wellbeing coach. And what all of this means is that I support wonderful souls to heal their relationship with food, their body, and themselves. In this week's episode, we're taking a look at combining intuitive eating with food preparation with practical tips and takeaways. So combining intuitive eating and food preparation can be a great way to develop a healthy relationship with food. The intuitive eating model teaches us to listen to our body's hunger cues and respond accordingly, while flexible meal planning allows us to incorporate the foods we want into our diet so that we actually eat them rather than just plan on doing so. Intuitive meal prep incorporates both of these concepts. It's about learning how to prepare meals that are tailored specifically for ourselves and that fit into our lifestyle, but also about preparing meals that suit our household needs, taking into account partners, housemates, children and friends. And this is a really important point because I think so often when I work with clients, one of their huge worries is the fact that if they eat intuitively, then they can't also feed their family the same food and therefore then they're going to end up making loads of different meals. And that's not the case. So yes, intuitive eating is around what we're eating, but more than that, more so than that, it's about how we're eating, why we're eating, when we're eating, honouring hunger cues, honouring fullness cues, learning about emotional eating and stress eating and understanding our eating patterns and behaviours. So intuitive eating, as you probably know by now, doesn't follow strict rules. It takes into account your cravings and desires for certain flavours and foods, and it encourages you to create meals that are worthy of nourishing your body. So combining intuitive eating with food preparation It's a great way to start on a journey of understanding what works best for you nutritionally while still satisfying your taste buds. Combining intuitive eating and food preparation is the perfect way to ensure that you are mindful of your hunger, tastes and needs. Because intuitive eating allows for enough flexibility to make those decisions when it comes to meals, while also giving you the satisfaction of knowing that you're in tune with your body's cues. And meal planning can help you to include a wide variety of foods in your balanced diet. And you don't have to rely on memory when it comes to meals and snacks that satisfy your hunger, but are also super tasty. Because I don't know about you, but life is busy. And sometimes trying to remember or even think up a snack or a meal that is going to suit you in the moment can be really difficult and time-consuming and so we kind of end up reaching for the first thing. With this method it's possible to develop a healthy relationship with food by being mindful of its purpose, nourishment and enjoyment, but also making sure that all of the nutritional requirements that you have personally are met, which comes about gradually and gently through understanding and respecting your intuition. Meal prepping is a great way to combine food preparation so that you're organized, so that you're ready, so that you feel that element of control almost, 
and intuitive eating. It's no secret that life can get pretty nuts, so having several meals and snacks that are pre-made can make life a lot easier. Before starting the meal prep process, it's important to have a think about what your body needs in terms of nutrition and what foods will bring pleasure when you consume them. Now, these are things, this idea of what your body needs in terms of nutrition, many of you are automatically going to go into that kind of diet culture led world of, I need this much protein, this much um, carbohydrates, this much fat. Let's move away from there and try to have a think about what does your body need right now? Are you staying full or are you getting hungry quickly? Do you find that you are feeling lethargic? Do you need more energy? Are you feeling fuzzy headed and tired and just not quite with it and actually maybe adding some more protein into your diet to increase that iron may help with that. It's about having a think about what you need in terms of nutrition and what's going to make you feel good physically and also what's going to make you feel good mentally in terms of foods that bring you pleasure. So when meal prepping, keep the recipes simple and make sure to pay attention to the aroma of each ingredient as you prepare it because this creates that enjoyable experience whilst cooking and when we create that enjoyment whilst cooking that's going to have this knock-on effect to creating more enjoyment around food and around eating later on. Meal prep doesn't have to be boring or time-consuming, it can be something that's pleasurable and enjoyable for everyone involved if you're getting other people involved. Following an intuitive eating approach encourages us to take control of our relationship with food in a gentle and non-diet way. And I think that part of meal prep when intuitive eating, so intuitive meal prep, one of the benefits of it is that it allows for more brain space. There's a lot to take in when you first embark on intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food. Because remember, you're undoing a lifetime of habits and behaviours and beliefs. And preparing meals ahead of time can help reduce decision fatigue and it makes it easier to honour hunger cues when the food is already ready. Having a meal prep habit also goes hand in hand with developing a healthier mentality towards food overall. Rather than focusing solely on dieting or restriction, meal prepping encourages us to take a more holistic view of our needs which helps us to foster a better relationship with ourselves and with our bodies. So first off today, we're going to recap the 10 principles of intuitive eating, um, which were put together by two dietitians and researchers, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, whom I trained with a few years ago. So we've got reject the diet mentality. And I could say principle one, principle two, but the thing is they don't, we don't work with them in order. It's not like you do step one, step two, step three. Um, when I work with clients, I'm looking at what they need to work on now and what we can kind of leave a little bit, what they've kind of got already under their belt. Um, the only thing I would say is that the principle of gentle nutrition we leave until the end, until that food relationship um, is healed to the point where previous diet 
beliefs and talk will not influence nutritional choices. So reject the diet mentality. This is all about understanding why diets don't work in terms of weight loss and delving into understanding your own experiences of dieting and recognizing diet mentality, rules, justification. So that kind of thing is if I do this, then I can eat this. That's a, a lot of my work with clients revolves around rejecting the diet mentality. Another principle is honour your hunger. So diet culture can teach us to have a coffee or a drink a glass of water or brush our teeth or go to bed early if we're hungry. But this affects our body's natural hunger cues and so they become less reliable. And unfortunately over time when we do this our body will stop sending as many signals because we aren't responding. So we can often ignore hunger signals such as not being able to focus or a dull headache or low energy or feeling hangry or anxious or our stomach rumbling and feeling weak. And when we tune into our hunger signals, we are able to better listen to and trust our body. Another principle is making peace with food. So this is about an unconditional permission to eat. And this doesn't mean that you'll eat everything and anything in sight. You really won't, although we think we will. I've been there when I started, when I learned to eat intuitively and I was sure I would eat everything out of my cupboards. But after a few days, and tr it truly is two to three days if we give ourselves full permission to eat, it all just becomes food. So when we tell ourselves we can't or shouldn't have a particular food, it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation that build into uncontrollable cravings and often binging. So using neutral language around food is very important here too. Letting go of labels like healthy or unhealthy or good or bad and changing them to exactly what they are. So this is an apple, this is cheese, I'm going to eat a sandwich. Another principle is challenge the food police. And this comes down to that challenging of good or bad foods, that idea of there are good and there are bad foods and the idea of a perfect diet that is going to work for us. And there's just one answer to it all, which there isn't. So if you've been around here for a while now, you'll know that there isn't the perfect solution for anything, for anyone. And it's often all made up of all of these different things coming together. Another principle is discover the satisfaction factor. So it's about creating enjoyment around food and trying new meals and snacks and experimenting with food. It's learning which meals and which snacks satisfy you the most and make you feel like your best self. And not every meal and snack is gonna be perfect, but it's about bringing in that satisfaction wherever possible. Another principle is feel your fullness. So to honour fullness, we must trust our body and honour what we fancy eating. And then we check in with ourselves throughout eating to check how full we are, stopping when we are satisfied and learning not to eat to an uncomfortable fullness. Then we have cope with your emotions with kindness. So this is about understanding why we stress eat and engage in emotional eating with kindness and acknowledging that sometimes we have nothing available to us but food to soothe us. So sometimes there are other things which will greater soothe us more long term um, 
and this is where my work around self-compassion, self-kindness, self-care comes in, because a lot of one's relationship with food and the behaviours with food can play out in other areas of life too. So it's about learning to meet your needs in all of the areas of life, taking true care of yourself and being kind to yourself. Food is always an option, but as is something like journaling or speaking to a friend or taking a break. Another principle is respect your body. And it is near on impossible to reject the diet mentality if we are unrealistic and overly critical of our body shape or size. So this is why I share a lot of content about bodies. Um, this is why I have a workbook on beating the body shame. So you, if you would like that workbook, there is a free PDF version, so a digital version of the workbook available on the website. Just head to nourishingsoulfully.com and you'll find it under complimentary resources. If you would prefer a printed version, which comes as a booklet, it's like a workbook, A4 workbook that has been professionally printed, you can purchase one of those on the website and those are sent out internationally. Because we need to, to do that work around body shame. We need to accept our bodies. And when we do this work, our motivation for eating certain foods changes too. Our motivation for moving in certain ways changes too. And that brings me nicely onto another principle, which is movement, feel the difference. And it's about moving our body in ways that feel good and which don't revolve around punishment or an intention to change the body or justification because we have eaten something. Being active and trying out different forms of movement and resting when we need to. And finally, we have the principle that I mentioned that we tend to leave until last, which is honour your health with gentle nutrition. So this is about making food choices that honour our health, what we feel like eating and what makes us feel good. But this isn't influenced by diet culture, by rules that may not work for you. Something that food preparation helps with when it comes to intuitive eating is not having to make so many choices. So choices are the thing that depletes willpower and self-control. And I don't mean the willpower to stay on a diet in this case. I mean the willpower to tune in, the willpower to kind of go, no, I'm healing my relationship with food. I am going to honour my body's hunger signals or I am going to honour what I fancy eating. The more decisions that we have to make in a day, the more willpower and self-control we use up. And by the end of the day, we're less likely to follow through on something that we planned to. So instead of having to pick from everything in the cupboards and fridge or at the shop, when we meal prep or food prep, we can pick from a small list of things which are fully prepared or easy to make. And this then stops us from just reaching for the quickest, easiest thing, which doesn't satisfy us and causes us to overeat due to that dissatisfaction. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that you can't prep anything in advance to eat intuitively, but that just isn't the case at all. We tend to eat seasonally, and we also tend to fancy similar things for a few weeks at a time, rather than suddenly having a craving for something totally unexpected. As, a, as an aside note here, unless you're pregnant. 
I am currently um, four months and five days pregnant. Um, and goodness me, the unexpected cravings have sent me a little bit duality. But in general, we tend to fancy the same things for certain periods of time. We tend to be wanting the same kind of textures and tastes that we, we, we were wanting yesterday or the day before, rather than specifics. So we, we tend to, for example, in wintertime, we're looking for something comforting, filling, hearty, hot. But in summer, we might be looking for something fresh or light or cold or crunchy. I know that food prep seems daunting and often feels as if it will require a lot of time, but it really doesn't have to because it saves you time during the week. It ensures that you'll have a delicious, satisfying meal even when you're exhausted, even when you're running late and have no energy left to cook, and even when life happens. And it can often work out to be the more economical option too. So you might wish to food prep twice a week or once a week. Um, I will kind of do a bit of a combination. Some weeks I do once a week, some weeks I do twice a week, some weeks I do not food prep because that's just how life pans out. But when I do, I am always grateful for it. And I tend to block out three to four hours, either first thing in the morning or in the afternoon, usually on a Sunday because that's my day where I've got nothing in my calendar. And I'll pop on a podcast or my favorite music and I get cooking. And then I, if I'm only doing that once a week, I'll then freeze half of what I prepare and take that out midweek. So you might prefer to spend a few hours on a Sunday and a few hours midweek instead doing this, whatever works best for you. Um, but it will make all the difference however you work it. So this for me, I don't look at it as a chore. It's an opportunity for me to relax, to do something just for me, looking after future me. So have a think about when you could fit this time in. And you might have to move things around a little bit to be able to fit it in, but it will, that moving around of things is making yourself a priority. And that's really, really important. So what I do is my first thing is I question myself about kind of what I need, what I fancy eating at the moment, what my partner fancies eating. Um, if I had children already, I'd be thinking about kind of what, what are they enjoying at the moment? What are they need in wanting to eat more of? And that's what I will be doing in the future. And then I start out by finding recipes I'd like to cook. Um, often I will save recipes as and when I see them on Pinterest or if I'm looking through a recipe book or someone tells me that they've had something for dinner that I would probably like. One of my favourite questions to ask people is, what are you having for dinner tonight? Or what did you have for dinner tonight? So I pop together my list of things, of all the ingredients I'm going to need to make those meals. And I usually choose four to five main meals um, for the work week and then have a little think about what I would like lunches to be. Sometimes they're sandwiches and sometimes I will even like I'll go and buy the pre-made bread rolls, which you can pop in the oven. Um, pop those in the oven, make up sandwiches and then freeze those sandwiches. So in the morning, it's a case of grabbing a sandwich as you're going out the door. Or I'll also make some pre-prepped salads, which are nice with like a hummus and a mixed um, rice and quinoa salad and stuff like that, where I can just add the crunchy fresh stuff, stuff on top on the day. Um, 
It can be useful if you use Instagram to have a saved album dedicated for food. If you tend to like seeing snacks and meals on your pin on your Instagram app and you're like, oh, I'd like to make that because that way on the day that you're doing your food prep, you can come back to that album and go, what, what did I like? What do I want to be eating this week? Pinterest is another great place for recipes. I love Pinterest um, because you can kind of put in the things that you can kind of go fresh, crunchy summer meal, or you can put in adjectives which describe what you want. And I love recipe books as well. Um, the easier and the simpler the recipes and the easier to get hold of ingredients are going to mean that you're probably more likely to follow through and do this. So make up your list of ingredients and go to the shop and get those ingredients that you need. And then it's time to make your list up of things that you can mix and match as well. So maybe do this before you go to the shop. Um, but say for example, we're gonna have curry. I will go, right, we could have curry and then we'll have that for dinner one night with rice. I will make a jacket potato and we can have it, take it to work for lunch um, another day. And then a couple of nights later, we'll have it with naan breads. Then you can choose like a few fillers, such as rice or pasta or mash for different meals as well, which can be really useful for making those combinations up. And then your snacks. You don't have to cook everything from scratch. Please, please remember this. Your list may include pre-made meals and snacks, and that is more than okay. That is also part of your food prep. When it comes to breakfast, have a think about what you'd like for breakfast as well. So make sure that you have the ingredients for that. It's something that can be easily overlooked, I think. Um, overnight oats are great because you can batch make these ready, pop them in the fridge so you grab it in the morning. If it's toast, you can freeze the bread pre-sliced and take however many slices out you would like for breakfast to make the loaf last longer if you need to. If it's cereal, ensure that you've got enough cereal and milk for the week. Um, and if it's smoothies, check that you have the frozen fruit ready to go in and anything else that you'd like to add. So you're really kind of prepping, you're really organizing yourself for the week ahead to make sure that you've got everything in that you need. When you make your shopping list, check your cupboards first, check what you have got, what you haven't got and what you need to buy. And then it's down to prepping to make sure that you have the essentials. So you need all of the required ingredients, meals and snacks on your list enough containers. So I, I really like using glass ones, but um, they aren't practical when you're on the move. So reusable bamboo or plastic ones are much easier to pack in a bag and they're not going to break as easily. Airtight containers to keep food in, either in the fridge or cupboard, depending on what it is, because this will ensure that the food holds its flavour as well as making sure it doesn't go off. Um, so keep anything cooked in the fridge and anything baked in the cupboard in airtight containers. Then prioritize what you need to make first. When you come to making it, I always go with the things which take the most time or that I least want to do, getting them out of the way first. So keep a to-do list handy. Um, I make sure I've got it in writing so that I can tick it off and mine would look something like make curry, portion curry and allow to cool, store curry half in fridge, half in freezer. So I, I um, kind of portion it out into containers. Half of them go in the fridge, half of them go in the freezer for another week. Um, so I freeze curries, soups, stews, sauces in freezer bags. Um, so when I fill the bag, 
I zip it up and then I lay it, no I don't, sorry, I zip it up and leave a little hole, I lay it flat and back flat and very carefully push it down so none of like the sauce or anything comes out but the air does and then I seal it flat. And then on top I write a note of what it is um, and they lie flat in the freezer because that then saves space. Um, I do individual portions because it means I only have to defrost one thing at once and it means I'm not getting too much out. So sometimes, say for example, I really fancy curry and my partner's like, oh, I'm not too bothered by that actually. I've seen we've got this in the fridge, I'd prefer to have that. It means I can take out that portion of curry for me um, and pop it in the microwave whilst it's heating up and um, he can have something else. <laughs> so I also freeze bread, pre-sliced. I freeze um, fruitcake. Um, individually sliced and I also do cupcakes, um, little energy balls, as I said before, sandwiches. So I find the freezer so useful when it comes to food prep and just grabbing something and it will defrost throughout the day whilst in the morning. Um, when eating anything out of the fridge later on in the week, make sure that you give it 10 minutes or so to warm up to food, um, to room temperature if you're not heating it um, and make sure that you're not keeping anything in there over three days. So if you're going to, it's probably gonna do better in the freezer or plan to eat it a little bit um, sooner in the week rather than later on in the week. I know it can feel really daunting, but my biggest tip for food preparation is making sure you've got the containers and the ingredients and the time. And then you've got that list next to you and you're ticking it off as you go, broken down into stages. And this will be really useful for you. And it's gonna save you so much time during the week, which is the best part. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Nourishing Soul Food Podcast. As always, between now and the next episode, you can find more from me on the website where I have a blog, which is nourishingsoulfully.com on Substack, where I write weekly letters on living an intuitive life, which is nourishingsoulfully.substack.com. And if you'd like to hear from me in your inbox, sign up to the weekly Friday kindness letters. You can sign up at the bottom of any page on the Nourishing Soulfully website, which again is nourishingsoulfully.com. Until next time, be gentle, be kind. You're doing the best you can, always. Sending lots of love your way.